This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today we've got a fantastic episode. We've got a couple irons in the fire here. It's going to be good. It is going to be good. We, uh, we've we got uh, roaming reporter John Loomer on talking about a trip to... Where Where were you, John? I was in uh, Point Grey, Northwest Point Grey. Beautiful. On a walking tour. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. Actually, I did a walking nice. tour of there early this summer. And I just like walking on those streets and seeing the big homes. They didn't release the hounds. They didn't. They didn't. And I, I, I thank them for that. Yeah. And uh, now uh, Abundant Housing Vancouver had organized a walking tour. And it's not their first one up there. Um, and uh, many, many people came out. They had, uh, I think, 70 people. Wait, John, we're not, we're yeah, not getting to your segment well, yet. I'm Jeez, just, John. I'm just holy, holy preamble. Okay, preamble. Okay. Okay. Put a cork in it, John. Yeah. But Matt, honestly though, we uh, we got John, which we're gonna get to. Uh, but then we got Charlie Vaudry, yeah, who this is, is a, a he's an Okanagan realtor, and we talked about an investment in the Okanagan last week, and, and a lot of people reached out. Yeah, we've we love hearing from you guys, and Charlie's gonna actually be offering his best investment in the Okanagan. That's which right, is exciting. Yeah, and so stick uh, around for that. He's been in the game a long time out there, and uh, yeah, definitely knows what he's talking about. Yeah, but Matt, we were actually, uh, quickly before we get to this exciting program, we were in the Globe and Mail this past twice. week. Twice. Uh, yeah, twice in the last two weeks, but we actually had one of our listings featured in the Globe and Mail. And this is a perfect time to point out that we still have our listings 
promotion going on right now. Absolutely. And that one, it was uh, one of our listings that sold for over $100,000. Uh, over $100,000. So if over you want your home Saturday to sell for over $100,000. And be featured in the Globe and Mail, get in touch with Scalina Real Estate. I keep saying that it sold for over $100,000, but yeah. really it sold $100,000 over asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, so we have our listings promotion. It's going till the end of the year. Get in touch for the best service and the best exposure and the best price for your home. Absolutely. And maybe you'll even be featured in the Globe and Mail. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, okay, so Matt, we got that out of the way. We're moving on here. Uh, before we get to our interview with Charlie, John? Yes. <laughs> Uncork it, John. Uncork what, what, it. What, All right, what was going go. on in Point Grey? Let me pop that champagne. Yeah. Um, so Abundant Housing Vancouver is a group that uh, you guys are familiar with because you've had a few. Um... Had three people. Yeah, yeah. we had uh, we've had some founding members. We had Daniel Alexiak. Yeah. Uh, we've had Adrian Crook, who is of he's, he's also, famous now. He's famous. He was famous for the housing. He's famous for five kids, one condo. He's also famous now because he's in McLean's. He's in McLean's magazine. I respect that organ. Right. I respect yeah, that. But he was on the organ. cover of the Vancouver Sun because. He's allowed his kids who are under 12 to uh, take the bus to school. He's yeah. a monster. God he's forbid. a monster. Can you believe that? I know. 12 I years know. old? I think he's, uh, no, Adrian's fighting the good fight on a number of fronts here. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. And then we all, who else did we have? Uh, we had Jens von Bergman. It's Jens, Jens, Matt. Jens. Jens. Von. This, is, this reminds me of the time you tried to ask the waiter to hold the free Jolies. Um, <laughs> come on. Well, who likes a potato with free jollies? <laughs> wow, very nice. Uh, very that was nice. a good trip to Mexico. Yeah. That was an interesting trip to Mexico. <laughs> so, John, tell us about the the field reporting. Well, let me just say it was a beautiful day, and they had a very good turnout. So, uh, seventy people, I think I mentioned, and I guess the interest is growing can, in the group. I, seventy people. Seventy people. So, That's is this seven, seventy people zero. walking together? We in... actually had to break up into two groups. There was too many, and uh, you know, people were bumping elbows. And, wow! And what is the purpose of the, the group? What is the purpose of the walking tour? Well, I think the idea is abundant housing. Vancouver is a group that's advocating for. Uh, more density and rezoning and uh, their idea of a solution to the current housing crisis. And I think it's uh, the Vancouver version of a group that started in San Francisco. And that group was called the San Francisco Bay Area Renters Foundation or something. <laughs> Federation? What? Braden, you know? The San, San, Fran, San Fran Barf. Yeah, yeah, San Francisco Barf yeah, is the yeah. name. Wow. It's so, easy to remember that. That's acronym. a great acronym. It's a great acronym and uh, well done. Kudos to them. Uh, Abundant Housing Vancouver, AV, not as good. Not as good in that respect. <laughs> but uh, what, they're, what they're trying to draw attention to with these walking tours of uh, Northwest Point Grey is that there are many areas of the city that seem... Uh, like they could probably have higher density, but probably none more so than Northwest Point Grey. So uh, you you walk around what is a small area. We're talking about 151 acres of uh, the city. To give you some perspective, uh, the West End has 504 acres. Wow. Um, but in those 151 acres, you only have a population of 402 people. So that comes to 0.38 acres per person. It's not quite half an acre per person, but 0.38 acres per person. Like I'm not doing the math, but that's maybe 14,000 square feet yeah. around there, maybe. Nice garden. It's about 16,000 square feet, so oh, 16,362 wow. square feet. That is actually good math, Adam. Well done. Thank you. Quite impressive, um, yeah. Yeah, that's really impressive. He has no, <laughs> no calculator. 
off. Um, so Northwest Point Gray, 0.38 acres of land per person. The West End would be something like 0.01 acres of land per person. So instead of 16,362 square feet of land per person, you get 465 square feet of land per person. Wow, that's a crazy that's, disparity. That's crazy. So basically where you have currently 402 people living in Northwest Point Grey, if the density was the same as the right. West End, you'd have 14,000 people living there. Now that is interesting. And how does it happen? Uh, it's all zoned RS1. So that one means family. one family, that means one, one, one dwelling, family. one family dwelling. And there's a few things you can do with RS1, right? You can uh, build a, build a laneway. You can, you can a have laneway. a legal suite yep. or but, an authorized uh, suite. But these are fairly restrictive. There's not sure. There's you can't go much further than that. And even the laneway house, even if you have uh, eighteen thousand square feet of land, you can only build one laneway, and it's uh, it's you're restricted in how big that laneway house can be. So, so is is Point Grey the is this an area where we're gonna solve the housing crisis? And what does that look like? Are we kicking these people out of their homes? No, I don't think that that's what would happen. I don't think it, it certainly wouldn't happen overnight. And I think that while Abundant Housing Vancouver and people who are of like mind uh, like to imagine a second West End up there, for example, and think that there could be a lot more life up there, a lot more action, that's certainly not the idea. Nobody's trying to uh, advocating expropriation or anything like that. However, uh, since the zoning currently is RS1, and you have these minimum lot sizes up there as well, which are enormous. The so, lots are huge. Yeah, so like 18,000 square feet, and, and you can't subdivide that. So even if you felt like you didn't really need all of that land, uh, even with your very big house, you've still got a lot of land that you're not using and you'd like to sell half of it, you can't do it for a number of reasons. The minimum lot area and the minimum lot width is either 150 feet or 100 feet, depending on where you are. So it's not easy to subdivide. The city could obviously relax these rules. But question for you, though, how many of these homes, uh, and are you actually touring that? Do you get to see the houses on during the walk? You can. Uh, some of these houses are difficult to see from the road sure. for, by design, um, and that's fair enough. Uh, some houses are easier to see, and you can get a good perspective. You're not going in any of the houses on the tour, but uh, you're just basically walking on the street, and uh, you, you don't need to go with the group. It's a, it's a beautiful part of town to walk through. I know when I'm traveling in other cities, like if I go to Seattle— I like to walk through uh, neighborhoods where the, the people are well-heeled and they have beautiful homes. <laughs> and you see, you see like really nice streets and uh, really nice views and really nice architecture and uh, often very tasteful. And the same is true of Vancouver. I mean, it, beautiful it's character homes. It's and pleasant. And so obviously we've seen the Canby Corridor. We've seen the three-phase process there. What if the city just came along and changed the zoning for Point Grey? Yeah, so this is specifically Northwest Point Grey. Right. So if they were to change the zoning or at least signal their intent or their openness to that idea, I think in theory you could have a developer buying one of these massive lots and making their applications for the rezoning. I think what would actually happen is the value of the land would, would spike. And so it would be in some sense to the benefit of the people already living there in terms of the appreciation they would see, of course, property tax would also go up, but then the argument could be made that right now they're paying artificially low property, property taxes. taxes. No, for... you've heard it here first. North Point Grey Road is artificially undervalued, but it looks like it's true. <laughs> in yeah. some sense. I mean, that well, we've is- had, We've talked about this before. We've had this conversation about how underbuilt Vancouver yeah. is, right? And very few lots in 
Vancouver proper are actually built to their best use. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, and there, and there's no better example than North Point Grey, which is why abundant housing Vancouver is focusing. That's on why that they're area. and they're comparing it to East Van. You know, sure. they're saying, look at a look at what a, a standard lot is in East Van, and and look what a standard lot is over there, and it just seems a little bit out of whack. And it's fine when it makes sense, but when it's the zoning itself that restricts any change from happening, organic change that might otherwise happen, there there might be reason for a question. The the one thing that this makes me think of two two points. One is uh, Tom Davidoff's point about property taxes being so low in Vancouver. Right. How many of these houses were vacant? Because the property taxes are artificially low on that land. And presumably up until the vacant homes tax of this year, the city actually was, by this zoning, was actually making it easier for these properties to essentially be holding properties. Right. Uh, so m- some are vacant. I don't have actual statistics. It's notoriously difficult for us to know exactly what's vacant. But just sure. your sense walking well, through. Well, this is something that they're highlighting. So uh, former Prime Minister John Turner, actually, his family, I think that it's a triple lot that they own. And this is not currently occupied, but he's, he, they say he grew up there. I don't know how much time he actually spent there, but he may have grown up in a home on one of those lots. So that's a very big property that seems to be unused right now. Um, there's a couple that uh, they're able to point out and you can kind of see there was obviously a fire. So two fires happened in 2016. Uh, one of those was definitely determined to be an arson, according mm-hmm. to what uh, we were seeing. Uh, or what we were told, and um, they're certainly there. They're not all occupied, and there is only one, I think, for sale currently in this part of the the city. But uh, they're not all occupied. There are vacant homes in there. Right. Well, the second point I was going to make just quickly is this also, and this is another Tom Davidoff conversation we had, but about the 105 Kiefer debacle and how his point about so many interest groups who don't actually have skin in the game. Uh, make it difficult for development where a place like North Point Grey, it might actually be easier to to change the zoning over there because of places like, say, the Canby Corridor, where, you know, people, everyone who owned land in that area actually benefited from that rezoning. And the process was a lot uh, smoother than than development in other parts of the city. I think that you would get a lot of pushback. And I think that's why this hasn't happened. There would be those people who do live there. They want to maintain the character of a very prestigious and exclusive neighborhood. And that's fair. And that's how city politics and to a certain extent, provincial and national politics work is different interest groups pushing against each other. And hopefully you find uh, some form of agreement, but the people who are currently there, I'm not sure that you would find that they were all all that enthusiastic about rezoning or anything like that around that. I think you would find that this was a classic case of not in my backyard, uh, nimbyism, and uh, there would be a lot of pushback. That said, we have other groups of people who need housing and uh, there should be some form of accommodation, but most people would probably be saying up there, I don't want a three-story or six-story building, low-rise, mid-rise, anywhere near me and looking into my backyard and seeing me barbecuing or or having a garden party or anything like that. Uh, I like my neighborhood exactly the way it is. Yeah, sounds like a classic uh, case of Margaret Atwood. Oh, I can't believe you went there. (laughs) Saint. She's a saint. She's a saint, yeah. We're both enjoying the TV show. Hey, well, this is, uh, yeah, that's that's for sure. Well, maybe that's a, a good place to leave it here. One thing here, moving towards our talk with Charlie Vaudry about the Okanagan, the interesting point or a connection between what you've been discussing here, 
John and uh, what Charlie outlines is Charlie's talking about similar conditions to Vancouver in the Okanagan, right? Frustrated buyers, lack of supply. Right. You know, it really, it was striking. It's, it sounds it, it a lot like striking. Vancouver, yeah, right? And there, but there's not the structural constraints in the Okanagan that we have here. Exactly. Right? So it's kind of interesting. It's an interesting contrast, but uh, maybe we should cut to uh, Charlie Vaudry's talk. Yeah. Without further ado, here's our interview with Charlie Vaudry. Enjoy. Okay, so we're we're back with Matt and I and John Loomer. Welcome back, John Loomer, Vancouver Realtor. Thank you, Adam Scalina, Vancouver Realtor. <laughs> and uh, we've got Charlie Vaudry, uh, Realtor in uh, Vernon, very successful Realtor in Vernon, BC. Uh, Charlie, how are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having me on the call today. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks hey, for the time. Maybe uh, actually yeah. we'll start, Charlie. Can you just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I, um, I've been practicing real estate uh, in the Vernon market for about 10 years now, just about 10 years. Uh, I moved here in 1990 from Ontario, from Toronto, and uh, discovered what a beautiful place this was to live and to raise my family. And got to really get an appreciation and decided that, um, you know, I could be a good ambassador and it would tie in very well. And so I got into real estate and uh, have really enjoyed introducing very excitedly, I might add, introducing people to this little place that we call paradise, Vernon, BC. And Charlie, this is just a total aside, but you basically, when you moved to Vernon, you lived off the grid. Is that right? <laughs> Do we want to get into that? That's a story in itself. <laughs> I don't think you can avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did. We bought 15 acres. We were looking to get away from it all. And uh, when we moved to Coldstream, BC, we thought we had done that and suddenly realized, now, you know what, we're just in another little urban community and decided we want more of a backwoods lifestyle. And so we did. We purchased 15 acres, built a home, lived off grid. And uh, really, really enjoyed that time getting to know each other, ourselves, our children. And it was an amazing time. And I guess it, it came time once, uh, once the girls, our daughters, decided it was time to, to get more involved in the, the school system so that they could pursue higher learning. And so we moved into town and uh, left a little chunk of my heart up there on the hill. And uh, <laughs> what, was, but, uh, uh, what was on the 15 acres when you bought it? It was uh, totally raw land. And it was an undivided half interest in 30 acres. And uh, that, again, is another long story and something that I would certainly recommend approaching with caution. But long, long, <laughs> long story short, you, you built a house with your bare hands. We did. We did. My wife and I did. We hired help in the summertime. We hired summer students. But uh, the bulk of the work was done uh, either. We, we'd bring in contractors. I didn't like drywalling, so we brought in contractors for drywalling. But... The rest of the house, yeah, Cindy and I built uh, with our own two hands, and uh, we survived. Our marriage survived. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a pretty cool experience. Uh, the the neatest thing about it was that our daughter put together a book. Uh, our oldest daughter, Jessie, put it put together a book, just kind of outlining, you know, her perspective and views on it with photos and commentary throughout about uh, what an experience it was for her as a as a child to to witness her parents taking on a, a project like this it, it was really quite heartwarming to read and uh, be part of she sounds like a wonderful woman 
Yeah. <laughs> we maybe should stop. We should stop here to say that, that uh, Charlie is John's father-in-law. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're not picking that up. Yeah. And the, the strange thing about all that is you live off grid and then you end up in a profession where you're glued to a phone, which is <laughs> a different end. But uh, maybe we should move on to uh, talk a little bit about the Vernon market right now. Yeah, just the Okanagan in general, Charlie, because I know you work throughout the Okanagan. Is that right? I do. Yes. Most of my work is in Vernon, the bulk of my work, but I have, I have bought and sold properties in the Shushwap and in the Kelowna market, the central Okanagan. So how have you found uh, the market it, this year? Uh, very interesting. When I compare it to last year, sales seem to be tailing off. And most of the argument right now is that the sales are tailing off because there just isn't enough inventory to service the number of buyers that we have. So we have continued pressure, upward pressure on prices because of that, low inventory demand for buyers, but we have downward pressure on sales because there just isn't enough inventory to service the number of buyers that we have. With a sales slowing down a little bit this year, I think one of the biggest issues we have with inventory is that sellers are reluctant to put their home on the market right now because the first question they have is, where am I gonna live? You know, if, if the inventory is so low and I sell my house, where am I gonna go to? And so uh, we've had to come up with some very innovative and very creative ideas to help people through that part of the process, you know, helping sellers to see that, yeah, there will be something, you know, appropriate for you to buy when you're ready. Uh, but it's often a leap of faith. And, uh, you know, some of the, especially some of the older sellers in this community, people that are selling their home, you know, it's, it's a scary thing for them. Uh, you know, so, yeah, so we do, we equip them with tools that would allow them to see, you know, the possibilities. And one of the interesting things that we've done is encourage people, if they can in any way, purchase before they actually sell, then that gives them a, a much calmer approach to the process. Um, if they can find a way to bridge finance or, you know, pull some equity from their existing home so that they can actually make a purchase and bridge it until the nice thing about that is when you purchase your home with prices upward pressure on prices the way we see it right now when you purchase your home prior to selling your home there's an opportunity for the value of your home to increase slightly and often it's enough to cover the, the cost of bridge financing right right yeah that's what everybody was doing here in 2016 yeah you know, there you go in the market like that just hopefully yeah. no foreign buyer tax comes in and <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you're in the interim. <laughs> I hope we're safe from that. <laughs> yeah. So, so Charlie, where is the, where are the bulk of the buyers coming from? Uh, why? Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot of demand right now. It sounds like. Yes. The bulk of the buyers are coming from our local region. Um, people are moving, you know, across. They're either doing uh, downsizing. They're either getting first time home buyers, young families moving up. A lot of move up buyers. And so the bulk, the largest percentage, uh, probably 60, close to 55, 60% comes from our region right here. Uh, the rest, uh, you know, if, if you add it all up, uh, it's probably 85% of our buyers come from somewhere in BC and about 15 to 20% of the buyers uh, come from the lower mainland right now. Uh, we used to have a lot more buyers coming from Alberta and we saw a marked change in that from 2014 to 2016 there was a shift where we we saw instead of 15 to 20 percent of our buyers coming from alberta all of a sudden they're down to eight nine percent and now 15 to 20 percent are coming from bc which are from the lower mainland which is increasing our overall um, source of buyers from within the province of bc when people have more money they come to the okanagan 
<laughs> yeah, I guess that's what it boils down to. You know, it's uh, yeah, it, it's been interesting to watch. Like I said, it's it's very rare that we've seen a situation where sales are actually declining because there's just not enough inventory to service the buyers. So that's really interesting, Charlie, that you're seeing an increase in the number of people from the lower mainland buying in the Okanagan. We've been hearing for the last year, year and a half about people leaving Vancouver, you know, young people, old people to the island and to the Okanagan. Who, who are you seeing from the lower mainland looking to buy in the Okanagan? Most of the people that I meet from the lower mainland are coming here uh, because they're watching prices rise in our community. They're watching uh, the interest from a lot of different locations about this area and uh, the natural beauty and the attractiveness of it. The infrastructure is increasing, able to accommodate you know, more people. And so they're looking at that and they're looking at rising prices. They're saying, well, we want to move there in the future. We want to retire there but we're not ready yet. So let's buy a property there now so that we can at least, uh, you know, lock into the, the, the values there and not have to, you know, pay a higher price five years down the road when we want to come here. So they buy a house so they rent it out or they use it as a recreational property. Uh, and then in a couple of years when they're ready to move, they may not necessarily live in that house. They may just sell it so that they can buy another house here and uh, it'll be more affordable for them at that time when they're ready to make the move. So the demographic would be skewed towards people looking towards their retirement? Yes, people in their 50s, 55, 60, you know, in, in that whole uh, category of buyers. And they're just looking to find a place where they can be happy and comfortable. And uh, this is certainly a good place to do that. Question for you, Charlie. And obviously, you know, realtors are always saying that they don't have the crystal ball. But people are clearly thinking that prices are going to continue to rise, at least in the Okanagan. What's your take on the market right now? Do you think it's a good time to be buying there, like playing the market for the next two, three years? What I'm seeing right now, uh, I think I mentioned earlier about uh, price uh, sales tailing off and the argument being that there's not enough inventory. I, I personally believe uh, that And I've seen this and I've talked to veterans in our, I was just talking to Joe Pearson yesterday, he's been in the industry for 48 years. Wow. And I listen when he talks. <laughs> and he talks about a cycle uh, that he's seen over and over again, repeats itself, a five to seven year cycle where prices rise and, and the market strengthens. And then a five to seven year cycle where it kind of breathes and recovers and then another five to seven years. And so each peak in those cycles and each valley in those cycles are higher than the previous peak or valley. And if you were to look at overall prices since 1980, it basically turns into a, an 8% compounded per year annual increase in the value of real estate. Uh, if you were to stretch that line you know, across and, and smooth out the, the peaks and the valleys. And so from that, what we can see when we look closely at the market, a sort of a I guess a, a micro view is that we can see that we could very well be approaching that end of that five to seven year rising cycle that we've seen since uh, 2011, 2012, you know, and, and so once that happens and, and there's other indicators, of course, as we know, um, rising interest rates impacts buyers, trends, buyers thoughts on, on what they can and can't afford and what they want to do. 
And also we have a, a change in government um, in this province that, um, you know, may, may indicate a, a change in direction of our economy. We all know that governments are instrumental in either encouraging or discouraging investment. And, uh, and of course, with investment comes jobs and with jobs comes money that people can afford, you know, to, and stability, people can afford houses. So my guess is we're, we're approaching the end of a five to seven year cycle at this point, and uh, we start to see sales tail off. If inventory picks up next year, then that'll be confirmation that indeed we're in a, in, a, in a cycle of recovery. You know, and then, of course, once that happens, if the inventory does climb and, and uh, there are fewer buyers in the market, then, of course, we're going to see downward pressure on prices. Uh, the interesting thing is that downward pressure, you know, is never as dramatic as the upward side of it. Uh, we can see, you know, 8 to 10 to 12 percent increases in values each year. And, uh, and yet uh, when the market softens, we'll, we'll see a gradual drop in prices, but nowhere near as low as the previous upswing. Am I making any sense on that? Yeah. No, you're making a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, that, that could be well where we're at right now. I, 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 again, I don't have a crystal ball. And so it's, it's anybody's guess, but when you talk to a guy like Joe Pearson and he tells you, you know, what he's experienced in the last 48 years in this business, then I, I tend to perk up and listen. And it governs my view of, you know, what I see possibly happening. So, Charlie, what about uh, right now, vacancy rates in the Okanagan are at historical lows um, from what we've been reading. It, it sounds like there's, it's really hard to find a rental and vacancy rates are below about 0.05 mm -hmm. and rents are actually some of the highest in the country. So, yes. so we're talking about quite a spike in inventory from the sounds of things to kind of uh, in terms of housing everyone. We mm -hmm. need quite a few more homes there. So what's going on in Vernon and uh, from what you're seeing in Kelowna, is there a real push to, to kind of to, to improve zoning and increase density? Yes, there is. And if you look at the statistics governing um, um, uh, building permit applications, you'll see that um, we've got the highest we've had in years of multifamily building permits being applied for. And, you know, it's it's just it's really quite interesting to watch because you know, the market in terms of you know, builders, developers, they're responding. They're seeing this opportunity and they're saying, you know, this is something that's you know, worth long term. And so you're seeing a lot of uh, multifamily complexes going up both here and in, and in Kelowna and a lot of uh, residential building as well. And the commercial leading indicators seem to indicate that we're continuing with a strong economy here and expecting more people coming into the area and uh, you know certainly looking at ways to house those people because they're coming here because there's jobs and there's improvements in the economy uh, and and jobs in all sectors uh, both the blue collar and the white collar and uh, you know so the fact that we have the the building permits being applied for and and the building construction going on it's uh, certainly the Okanagan is is booming in that respect do you see uh, Vernon in particular changing with, with any sort of rapid population growth over the next, I don't know, five years or a decade? Could the character of Vernon be changing with that kind of development? And I'm assuming, even though you're, you're experiencing right now uh, more people planning their retirement coming out there, but young families in the lower mainland may be looking at other places that are more affordable to raise their families and uh, maybe looking at Vernon as an option. Do you think that there's any sort of big changes in the offing? 
Uh, I don't think big changes. I think we're going to see more of the same changes that I've seen in the last 27 years that I've lived here. When I moved here, the population of Vernon was around 30,000. It's over 50,000 now. It's a challenge for government to maintain uh, infrastructure and uh, everything that's required for a growing population, especially in an area, a geographic area where there's limited space. And so I, I've seen a lot of uh, change in, in uh, local government uh, promoting and, and looking at greater density uh, within the city itself. And so allowing variances and allowing new zoning that allows to take a, you know, a single family dwelling lot and turn it into a triplex, you know, so that there's more place for people to live all within easy, you know, commute distance or walking distance, even from businesses and activity, commercial activity in the central part of the town. So, you know, I, th I think we'll continue to see more of that, John. I think we'll see more interest from the government in, in trying to support this growing community and continue to make it affordable. That's really their biggest challenge. And uh, making it affordable is encouraging development so that more builders can build more places to live and you know, pe for people to rent and to buy. So Charlie, we've got a couple quick questions for you left here, but one of the things that we're interested in an outsider's perspective on Vancouver and the Vancouver market, what are you kind of hearing um, in the industry out there about Vancouver or from potentially buyers or sellers? Is there any chatter going on about Vancouver? Lots of chatter. <laughs> yeah, we, we hear it all the time. And uh, it's really nice to have that connection with you folks to sometimes be able to, to substantiate these rumors that we hear. Um, because, uh, you know, if you pay attention to the media and if you listen to what other folks are saying, it's like, oh, the market's on fire, the market's on fire. And even the attempts by, you know, the uh, provincial and uh, the local governments there to cool down a really hot market uh things are still really cooking and um you know even though there's been a slight relaxing i guess more than a slight relaxing in the number of sales that are going on there doesn't appear to be any uh slowdown in the interest in you know people investing in in your area and purchasing homes there and uh anything under a million dollars you just uh flying off the shelves you can't keep it listed for very long that's the kind of stuff we hear yeah you know what and it's actually very similar to your description of the okanagan in that there's it's very difficult to buy right now there's very low inventory um mm -hmm. you know it's, it's very similar one last question for you charlie we have a ton of people looking to invest in obviously mainly vancouver but everyone's looking for opportunities outside of the lower mainland if you were going to invest in the Okanagan and you weren't, say, a downsizer looking to, to buy a, a home that you're potentially be moving into in a couple of years, what's the best buy, do you think? If you can find them, well-priced multifamily dwellings, um, you know, are certainly easy to manage and good value. It has to cash flow. And, you know, there are still some, even in the rising prices that we have, there are still some opportunities out there where you can, you know, do the math and, and figure out that you're going to get a positive cash flow. But most people are even willing to forego the positive cash flow on the understanding that they're going to have increased in the equity value of the home. And, of course, they're going to have tenants paying down their debt to purchase that multifamily dwelling. Uh, you know, and so eventually you get to the point where, if you hold it long enough, it turns into a positive cash flow. And some of the people are willing to forego those initial couple of years of you know, having to subsidize their purchase 
until they reach that point where it carries itself. You know, so that that I think is one. And then the other area uh, we're starting to see with the commercial leading indicators, you know, in showing that we have a, a growing economy here, commercial real estate is often a, a very good buy as well. Uh, we have a higher than average inventory when you compare that to residential uh, real estate. So there's better deals in there. And of course, commercial properties are so much easier to manage because, you know, you're not getting calls from your tenants and two o'clock in the morning to say my plumbing's broken. Right. You know, generally speaking, uh, your activity and involvement in managing those properties is, is uh, you know, on a nine to five, five day a week kind of basis. Um, one other thing that I want to ask you, Charlie, this year, the uh, the fire season was particularly bad. And in Vancouver, we had a number of days where, yeah, weeks, weeks. weeks. Well, I, I actually, I went away in August. And before I left, I, I we're living in Kitsilano, as you know, and we usually look over across English Bay and and over to West Van, and uh, we were amazed we could not see West Van at all. Went wow. away on vacation, came back, and although I think it had been much better while we were gone, when we came back, the exact same thing happened like a day after. But Vancouver is uh, is usually a lot better off than than where you are during the fire season. I, I just wanted to get your perspective on how that was this year. And I know you guys are, in some sense, you're kind of used to it and you take it for granted, I think. And I, you can tell mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong, but uh, mm-hmm. did the tone of the conversation shift at all this year? Were people looking at things differently? Yes, it was this year. It was about the intensity and the length, the duration. We have never had this much smoke in the air for this length of time. Uh, it started in early July, and we pretty well maybe saw a couple of clear days for 60 days, well into September. And uh, now, I mean, I'm looking out and I see blue skies and the sun is shining. It's a beautiful day here, but you know, this is uh, this is a rare day for for this year uh, in terms of how much smoke we've seen in the air. Yeah, it's eerie when you get up in the morning or in the evenings and you, you're looking at the sun setting and all you see is this orange ball glowing through the smoke. And uh, it, yeah, it's very eerie and it, it, I don't know, it just hangs over everything. And I'm sure people with compromised uh, breathing, anything like that, um, you know, the elderly, children, um, you know, that it's very, very challenging for them to uh, to live day to day here. But and you're right, John, we experience it every year, but certainly this was the year of intensity and the duration was longer than we've ever seen. And it does impact purchasing real estate, too, because there's insurance companies back east that um, want to promise you coverage. But when they find out that there's a fire burning within 50 kilometers of the <laughs> you want to insure, they're not too excited about that. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Well, hey, Charlie, how can people uh, find out more about you? How can they get in touch? CharlieVaudry.com. My webpage uh, has all my coordinates for contacting me. uh, For uh, if you want to reach out, just see what's going on in the market. I'm happy to tell you, you know, and provide you with information. I love helping people make informed decisions about uh, their purchasing of thoughts and ideas. And their plans, and so yeah, my website is, is probably the best best way to reach me, and it's Charlie with an I E, Vaudry V E A U D R Y dot com. Fantastic, Charlie, and and Adam and I have sent you uh, uh, some people, and and uh, man, talk about positive responses. 
And before you uh, go, Charlie, you're not just a realtor. You're also uh, an integral part of Vernon's surprisingly vibrant music scene. I don't know if I've met a single person in Vernon who doesn't play a musical instrument and uh, or belong to one or several uh, bands and musical groups like yourself. And I think you have a couple shows coming up. Do you want to plug those shows? Yeah, I've got a couple of shows coming up. We're doing a fundraiser for Hospice House. A friend of mine, Shelly Duggan, is hosting us to uh, to play for a group of people in her backyard. Uh, it's on Facebook if you want to look for it. Um, and um, we have another show at a really interesting... i got to give a plug for Lorenzo's Cafe, just east of Enderby, about nine kilometres. If you go out in the woods today, you're in for a big surprise. He's got this really funky little establishment, and we're playing there on Friday the 22nd of September. And uh, and we have another couple of shows on the 29th of September at the Schubert Center. We're doing uh, Prime Time, the words and songs and music of John Prime with my friend Dave McBride. We, we, we got to cut you off before we lose all the Vancouverites to Vernon here. This is, this is too compelling. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on your show. Hey, no, thanks for your time, Charlie. It's been fascinating. My pleasure. Take all care. Right, bye now. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Okanagan realtor, Vernon-specific, Charlie Vaudry. Charlie Vaudry, very interesting guy, super interesting insight into the Okanagan market in general. Yeah, he's been in the game for a while there, so I know he has done work in the past in Kelowna and the Shushwap, uh, all over their region. Yeah. So Father-in-law to, to uh, roaming reporter John Loomer. And, beloved, uh, beloved father-in-law. Beloved, father beloved father-in-law. And all-around good guy, yeah, Charlie Vaudry. Yeah, uh, he breaks a mold on the classic uh, uh, realtor mold, I'd say. Really? You know? Well... In a couple ways, right? Lived to explain. Off, lived off the grid for 15 years or so. That sure. seems mm -hmm. like a fairly unique experience. Um, happy. He's happy to be alive. He's happy to be alive. He's happy helping people. <laughs> he's one of those good karma guys, right? Do good by others. Uh, which Charlie Vaudry's life's on a seven-year cycle, eh? or maybe it's a longer 10 to 15-year cycle, but he goes from like one extreme of like being in an industry where people can get a hold of you at all times or living in a bustling city like Toronto. Yeah. And then he needs like a 10 year, like that's it. I'm in the bush. Yeah, Charlie I'm, I'm, then I'm he's, building then he's homes with my bare hands. Driving over the Coca Hollow with his phone tethered to his computer and he's, yeah. he's fully plugged in with an earpiece. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting guy though. We can all learn a lot from Charlie Vaudry. That's for sure. So Matt, so before we sign off for the day, uh, we did want to say that we've had a lot of people reach out with investment ideas, also with topics for the show, which has been great. We've had, I think, three or four emails in the last day or two with people, you know, pitching ideas for future shows. Yeah, which is fantastic because we're yeah. always looking for ideas. It's, and, it's uh, incredible. And the ideas are awesome. So we're definitely going to be looking into that and uh, getting I do some feel, guests. I do feel like a community is forming here. Absolutely. Uh, which is really nice. And I think it's going to be really And like uh, I said before, I think forward. we got the savviest real estate people in the city listening to this podcast. And and communicating with us on an ongoing basis. So yeah, yeah. we appreciate it. Uh, thanks for reaching out, and and uh, we love to hear from you. Yeah. So that that's one thing. The second thing is we have registration forms going in on that development you mentioned last week. Sure. A ton of people. Two have, phases. Yeah. Uh, so don't feel like you're too late. Um, definitely, we you know sales are starting soon, but there's more coming. So if you are interested. Shoot us an email, give us a call, shoot us a text, yeah, do yeah. whatever you do. Get get in contact with us however you want. Yep. Last but not least, we got PCS, Private Client Services. Matt, uh, if you're not using PCS, 
you are you are standing still while other people are power walking by. <laughs> no, I, I think slow, that that's slow joke. Slow joke. <laughs> it's power walking the, the, in their spandex. It's seriously the best research tool on the market. We've tried them all. You get sold prices. You get listing updates about thirty six to seventy two hours before public MLS, and 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 uh, it's uh, user friendly. Yeah, for sure. And we, <laughs> was that I, a thought, I, I thought you were going with, I was like, oh man, wait for it. Days on the market. Yeah. <laughs> it does give you days it, it on the market. It is realtor level information though. And um, you can sign up for that at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com slash PCS. That's right. Or get in touch with us. And one last thing. I do think we should get a branding of PCS that is consistent. What do you mean? The power walk? Yeah. The... You change it every time. It's kind of like what? Brady D's it, email. I'm, keep I'm, it fresh. My my point my point is really that you know everyone else is standing still. It doesn't matter how fast you're moving on PCS. You're not standing still. That's the point. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, we got it. You heard it here first, folks. Give me a call 778-847-2854 or Matt at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at Vancouver Real Estate Podcast.com. Okay, and uh John? Uh, yes, I can be reached at 604-916-1871, 604-916-1871, or john at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Well, wait, wait, keep in mind though, John, no H. No John, H, oh my God, no don't H. do that. Yeah, no, don't, don't do make that, that Thanks, mistake. Thanks, Jan. Yeah. <laughs> Jan Van Loomer. Uh, anyway, so we appreciate uh, you guys listening and we'll be back next week with another exciting episode. Take care. Bye. Well, if you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down in the woods today, you'd better go in disguise. For every bear that ever there was will gather there for certain, because today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join. 
type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join typing in VRP 2020.